Welcome to a series of netcasts brought to you by Yale University. Hello, this is Dr. Marlene Schwartz. I am the director of the Red Center for Food Policy and Obesity at Yale University. And I'd like to welcome my guest today, Dr. Vic Strasberger, who is currently the chief of the Division of Adolescent Medicine and distinguished professor of pediatrics and professor of family and community medicine at the University of New Mexico School of Medicine in Albuquerque, New Mexico. So welcome. Thank you. So your area of expertise is children, adolescents, and the media. And you recently wrote or led the writing of a American Academy of Pediatrics policy statement on this topic that just came out. Can you tell us some about what you were addressing in that policy statement? Sure. Kids spend an extraordinary amount of time with a variety of different media, 7 to 11 hours a day. That's more time than they spend in school, more time than they spend in any other activity but sleeping. So the academy wants parents to take control. Uh, You know, there was, years ago, there was a public service ad that came on TV, uh, maybe even before your time, that said, it's 11 o'clock at night, do you know where your children are? And they meant geographically, We're now saying it's 11 o'clock at night. Do you know where your children are technologically? So parents need to limit um, total entertainment screen time. That means TV, movies, video games to less than two hours a day. We're not saying anything about texting. We have no idea about what sort of limits there should be on texting. Um, But total entertainment screen time to less than two hours a day avoid screen time for babies under the age of two, watch with your kids because there's no longer a need for the the big talk about sex or drugs. You can just be watching something on TV and ask your uh, son or daughter, what do you think about that? Why is she jumping into bed with him? Why aren't they talking about the risk of pregnancy or sexually transmitted infection? Um, And probably most importantly, keep technology out of the bedroom. So there are now many studies that if there is a screen in the bedroom, if there's a cell phone in the bedroom, kids are not going to get as much sleep. And we know that less sleep is a major risk factor for overweight and obesity. So interfering with sleep, it sounds like, is one of the mechanisms that would explain the relationship that's been shown in so many studies between having a TV in the bedroom and childhood obesity. What do you think some of the other mechanisms are for that relationship? The one that everybody talks about, and and it's almost intuitively uh, makes sense, is what's called the displacement effect. If you're spending seven hours a day with media, that's not seven hours a day. You're outside throwing a football around or walking the dog or bicycling. But the research is really mixed on that, and it seems to indicate that a sedentary child or teenager is going to be sedentary even if you take the TV away. So yes, maybe time spent is important, maybe not depending on which study you look at, but clearly food advertising is a major factor. Kids see between 5,000 and 7,500 food ads per year on television alone, And 80 to 90% are for junk food or fast food. And advertising works, or we wouldn't spend billions of dollars on it. And then it turns out that you eat differently in front of a screen. There are good studies 
showing that you probably consume, oh, probably 150 calories or so more in an average meal if you're sitting in front of a TV screen. And there's some thinking that it's because you lose your ability to to feel full. You're, you lose your satiety cues because you're so caught up in the programming. So it seems obvious from the research that it's really important to protect children from from the media and parts you know parts of the media but for some reason it's really hard to convince people that they should take action on this what is it that gets in the way of convincing whether it's parents or legislators that we really need to have some strong policies here That's a complicated issue because it's different trying to convince parents and convince Congress. Uh, With parents, there's something called the third-person effect. So no parent thinks the media influences their children. Their children, children are smarter. Their children don't watch a lot of television. It's those dumb yahoos down the street who are influenced by media, but my kids are smarter than that. So the third person effect is really important, and we don't quite know how to overcome it. Um, with Congress, it's not the third person effect, it's the greenback effect. We, Mark Twain said we have the best Congress money can buy, and really the food industry has nearly 80 different lobbyists. Uh, whenever there's a, an initiative, as there recently has been, to try to regulate food advertising, uh, the contributions pour into to Congress, it's very difficult to get them to do anything, even though our own Federal Communications Commission 30-some years ago uh, had a fact-finding that said it is inherently unfair and deceptive to advertise anything to a child less than seven years of age. So given that we're going to be waiting a while for government regulation in this area, uh, one of the strategies that people talk about a lot is media literacy and trying to educate children um, so that they won't be influenced in these negative ways. Can you first explain what media literacy is and, and some of the research on how it works? Media literacy is actually a way of teaching kids how media are made and what goes into various forms of media, how a fight is choreographed, how a a commercial is made appealing to to a general audience. Uh, And then it teaches kids to decipher the tsunami of messages that they're getting and information that they're getting from, again, a variety of different media, television, movies, uh, billboard, ad, billboard ads, uh, the internet, social networking sites. So it really has the ability to be protective, to immunize kids against harmful media effects, and yet we don't do it. We're, we're the only Western country that doesn't legislate, doesn't regulate uh, the need to, to teach media education. So what do you think um, the schools should really do in order to address this problem? Schools think that they're doing well if uh, they're passing all the, you know, federal regulation-regulated tests um, and if they're buying new uh, computers and iPads for their kids. And my response is uh, this is really uh, we need a quantum leap in the way we educate kids. A hundred years ago, 
to be literate meant you could read and write. To be literate now means you can read, write, text, download, and decipher the incredible amount of information that's coming at you in a variety of different ways and platforms. Schools need to incorporate media education into virtually everything they do. So sex education, drug education. We need to teach kids that when they put something up online, it's there forever, that when they go for a college uh, interview or a job interview, uh, their future college or employer is going to Google them. Uh, And if they put something up there that is a little risque, that's not going to help. So we need to do a much better job of teaching kids about how to use media, and teachers need to use media, you know, constructively, because we now have an entire generation of kids who are learning visually. So can you give examples of how the media has been used to actually teach children either pro-social or health information? Sure. There are about a half dozen studies showing the effectiveness of media education on Uh, lessening aggression in kids, on teaching them how ads are made and making them more resistant to advertising. And there's actually one study that was done uh, on sex education and showing that teaching kids about how sex is portrayed in the media uh, would really lessens their their risky behaviors. So what we need now is uh, a media literacy program for obesity. Yeah. So I, we have researchers who listen to these podcasts. Do you have any messages to them about the type of research that you think would be helpful for the field? There was a series called Buy Me That um, done by HBO and Consumer Reports in the late 1980s. And they did an incredible job of decoding and deciphering ads for kids. And they had a number of food ads and they'd show you how the cheeseburger on TV is being painted to look delicious. And I think it would be fascinating to take a group of kids, probably grade school, um, and look at uh, showing them this kind of curriculum and then following their BMIs over a period of a year or two and demonstrating that media education would work to prevent overweight and obesity. That makes a lot of sense because it does feel like trying to somehow just prevent kids from exposure to media is not going to be feasible. So to think about ways that we can use it positively is is one of the important tasks, I think, for the future. Uh, Any last things that you would like to share? I think uh, scare tactics are not necessarily a great idea. Uh, The one scare tactic that seems to be effective in public service announcements Um, And certainly when I talk with patients is uh, the risk of diabetes. Uh, A lot of parents don't think that their kids are influenced by media. A lot of kids don't think that their kids are overweight or obese, even if they are. Uh, But parents are scared to death of diabetes. And so if if I see a kid who's overweight or obese, I will ask uh, the, the parents if there is a family history of diabetes. If there is... I'm impressed with the fact that they're much more concerned about that child's weight uh, than if there isn't something in the family history. So I think we need to explore that more. Uh, Will the risk of diabetes really be the the kind of golden bullet uh, to change people's behavior? 
I think that's a really interesting point, and particularly in the public health work to try to limit sugary drink consumption, there is such strong evidence that sugary drinks are associated with an increased risk of diabetes in particular. Um, it'll be really interesting to see how effective those messages can be if they target, target that specifically. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Again, this is Marlene Schwartz, Director of the Rudd Center for Food Policy and Obesity. And you can listen to other podcasts at our website, www.yaleredcenter.org. Thank you.